Hey everyone, welcome to episode 154 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod Haley. Hi Chris, well, episode 154, I get to be a part of all two now. Yes. <laughs> it makes me feel very accomplished though when you said it. Yeah, I mean... It, you know, you've been a part of this for a long time. Like, I'm not going to stop reciting the episode oh, no, or anything like that. I wasn't going for that. We are actually, one of the cool milestones we are creeping towards is 500,000 total listens. So we will get there in, you know, a handful of episodes and I'll have like noisemakers or something here. Party hats. Oh yeah, that'll be a live stream episode with party hats on. Yeah, maybe just like digitally added party hats, like oh, Snapchat filter party hats. But... I'm not going to a party store. No, <laughs> not during. Yeah, that is a risk that is unnecessary during the pandemic. <laughs> Groceries, got to do it. Party hats, close. It, it, only if they're at the grocery store. Oh, they probably do. Especially if, like, if you go to Target anyways for groceries or something. Oh, uh, yeah, you could. I, I try to minimize like, my time in those spots. True, though. true, true. You don't want to hang around. And people are irresponsible, too. It's really true. It's quite scary. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely had people like squeeze by me a lot at stores, and I'm like, "Where the what? What do you think is going on here? Why do you think we're wearing these masks?" It's it's very strange. I'm pretty close to just getting a hazmat suit, <laughs> walking around in it. I mean, the safe option, and then you come in and you get like the disinfectant shower, and yeah. Yeah, I took a shower before I came here. It's just to be safe. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, you just need the like airlock that like. You know, like you see in all the plague movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Get right on that. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about definitely modern because we had a ban very recently and we've got the Mana Traders Modern Tournament coming up this weekend. That's going to be kind of one of the first high level modern things to happen since Astrolabe is gone. So that'll be uh, pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, there have been, what, two tournaments so far? The Champs and then the... There's a PTQ, I think? There was a Challenge. Challenge, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. And then I think we can talk a little bit about Jumpstart because that came out and I've got a couple of things to say about that. I've also been playing a reasonable amount of Historic and specifically Historic Goblins. I've been watching a lot of Historic. A lot of people are, like, really into it right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how long that'll last. Oh, I don't think it will last very long, given my experience with Historic so far. I don't either. (laughs) I guess we can just start off with Modern, which is mostly going to be speculative stuff about that format right now. Yeah, we're like two tournaments in, so we don't have a super load of big data. But Mm, it it just looks like it's in a pretty good spot. (laughs) Well, I think that that is not an okay takeaway from this it looks like it is but it looks like every week one format basically which is a little different between like modern and standard or something like that like you know every time we have bands in standard you get all kinds of crazy decks and top eights for a, a couple of weeks until the good thing starts beating everything else again okay in modern that is definitely less the case but I don't think you can take the immediate tournament results and say, like, okay, cool, we've got a diverse format. Well, yeah, and I wasn't really meaning to take just the the only two tournaments we've had. Mm-hmm. It's been, like, for a really long time, Modern has been defied, defined by the most degenerate thing you can do in mm-hmm. the format. And 
when there's a ban, people go back to, you know, their normal fun decks that they want to play. Yeah. And then people find another degenerate thing. And then eventually that gets everywhere and it gets banned. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now I, I don't know. You don't know what the degenerate, what the degenerate thing, thing is. Yeah. It looks like the degenerate thing might be gut shots and lava darts, if anything. So if that's degenerate, that's that's fine. fine. (laughs) That's totally fine because you can beat that with fatal pushes and thought seizes or whatever. So yeah, or just large creatures. Well, the the guys like humans is good is bad against gut shot stuff, Mm -hmm. but people are playing Jund and Eldrazi Tron, and these are not gut shotable decks. Right, right. That's true. But your gut shot is more. So I mean, the deck that we're talking that I'm talking about here is Blue-Red Prowess, which has kind of taken a little bit of the mantle away from the Red Prowess decks because it just has threats that seem to be lining up really well. Stormwing's Presence is the M21, uh, the 5-mana 3-3 Prowess that costs 3 less if you cast a spell this turn and you get to scry 2 when it comes into play. That is a pretty good threat. A couple of Sprite Dragons and then the 1-drops and a couple of Bedlam Revelers, and you have a more threat-dense deck than Prowess has ever been able to present before. Yeah, you're not just... You just don't have one-drops in Bedlam Reveler anymore. Mm-hmm. You get to play a curve. Yeah. That, you know, stops at two. Yeah, but, but your two-drops are huge. Yeah, I, I, and I think basically, like, whenever you untap with a Sprite Dragon or a Stormwing's Presence, your opponent mostly just dies. These decks have a bunch of mutagenic growths, a bunch of gut shots, and a bunch of lava darts, so it's easy to turn just a couple of mana into five six seven spells and you know your, your spells have spell damage plus one on them basically yeah and so you you deal a ton of damage like that and manamorphos still legal and modern still an all-star in these prowess decks i mean if it didn't exist these kind of wouldn't be decks anymore yeah <laughs> i know there's been a lot of blue control decks there's a and they're they're different forms there's like the stone blade ones mm-hmm. which are stone forge mystic decks Kind of just the normal blue-white control stuff you usually see, but proactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the Uro piles that may or may not play Reclamation. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of go over the top of yeah. the other ones. I really like the Reclamation piles as far as blue decks go. Mm-hmm. Because the every time I watch a stream, it's usually Nassif because he always plays these decks. Uh, every time Factor Fiction is cast, yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> Oh, it, that's always been the case with Factor Fiction. But it's even more the case when you have next, un, just a single Nexus of Fate in your deck sure. and an Uro. Yeah. And if you flip either of those cards, the piles are impossible. Because <laughs> the Nexus of Fate, you can put it alone and your opponent gets four cards if they want. Or they get another turn. There's just no winning. Yeah. 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 And those are still Vistic Sanctuary decks. Vistic Sanctuary is still good. It's not nearly as powerful as it used to be, though. Definitely the Uro Factor Fiction combo is is a real nice one when you get to that stage in the game. Yeah, for sure. Like, Uro is just sticking around. The blue decks did lose a little bit with Astrolabe leaving, and they just have to be kind of a different thing than they were before. The, like, all, like, super heavy counterspell blue decks are a little bit harder to pull off. Yeah, people are mostly trying to be proactive now. Mm -hmm. That's why we see more Stoneforge Mystics, more Planeswalkers, rather than just play Island, Island, Island. Archmage's Triumph into Cryptic Command, into that again. Into Mystic Sanctuary, lock you out, right. like, whatever, yeah. You, you have to, like, do stuff now, because you're not guaranteed to have three islands on turn four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think we've seen from these, you know, just two tournaments, but it's definitely, and this is obviously 
how modern has always been, but we're definitely leaning towards more proactive stuff and a pretty big, like a wide variety of different proactive stuff. There's some Amulet Titan, there's some Izzet, there's Gruel Midrange, the deck that, you know, was unplayable in modern for many, many years until a couple of months ago, becoming one of the most heavily played decks in the format. Glorybringer's back! Glorybringer's here! It's just a modern card now. I actually like that deck. It's it's pretty good. It keeps the power level of modern is a lot lower than it has been in a long time, and it kind of keeps up. I've always liked Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl, and the cards that you're casting with it now are actually good enough. Yeah, I remember when you we used to talk about it all the time the old Ponza decks. Mm-hmm. There's like Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl is so strong, and then your opponent follows up with a. St- Stone unplayable card. Yes. In Stone Rain. Yes. <laughs> but now the only Stone Rains they're playing are Pillages, which hit artifacts as well. So it's got extra utility. Mm-hmm. And you get to play so many more powerful cards now. Clothis, Blood Ray Elf, Legal. Yeah, the Red and Six. Yeah. Like, there's just a bunch of actually good cards in the deck. And you still get to play a bunch of Blood Bands. Yep. Which are better now because there's no Astral. Yeah, way better now. Yeah, you just play four main deck and sometimes you just kill your opponent on turn two. Yeah, and Season Pyromancer is a huge grab for these decks as well. I think it's actually probably the best card they've gotten mm-hmm. because it so many of your like extra Blood Moon draws are terrible. Yeah, and there's some like Arbor Elf dead draws you don't want to. You just want to filter into your Glory Bringers, your like heavy hitters. Yeah, and being able to do that while creating bodies with Season Pyromancer, two different ways even. Sure. Is really valuable, and it's also two red pips towards Clothis. Like usually the turn. That is really good with this deck, usually, is when you have a Clothis in play, and it's nowhere close to being able to attack, but then you go Bloodbraid Elf into Season Pyromancer, and then you just start smashing your opponent, and, and they're dead in a turn or two. Um, yeah, it's really, really hard to lose the races mm-hmm. in in mid-range matchups when you have Clothis. Yeah. The life gain swing and being an integral creature is just too big to overcome a lot of the time. Yeah. I do hate the Bloodbraid Elf with Arbor Elf and Utopia Sprawl in your deck scenario that you construct for yourself by playing this deck you're just getting extra devotion yeah i mean sometimes that actually is pretty good like these decks run a lot of clothuses and that sometimes all you need is one more devotion and bloodbraid elf is basically always good for at least three devotion unless it hits like a pillage but it, I mean, pillage off bloodbraid elf is pretty good most you, of the time often it's what you want to it's, hit it's yeah. kind of like a goblin Rowan blaster mm-hmm. card which is an historic <laughs> Yes, yeah. yes, we have seen that card play out. Yeah, so green-red, totally reasonable, respectable deck. Can we talk about your favorite deck in Modern? What is my favorite deck It's Eldrazi Tron. It's Eldrazi Tron? Yeah, it's Eldrazi Tron. It did Tron. win this Modern Champs. And that's that's a good, that's a big tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's got an addition to itself, finally. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to call it, like, a buff, a boon? Well, n- I mean, it's gotten an upgrade for the first time in many years at this point. It's not just, like, five-year-old cards trying to hang with Uro and stuff. They've actually gotten a new card in there that, that helps the deck significantly in Maze Mind Tome. Yeah, Maze Mind Tome's a new addition from M21. Mm-hmm. Gets you either four cards or four scries or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. And when it goes when it's used up all of its pages you gain four life too yeah which is something i always forget about until it triggers a magical line <laughs> <laughs> every single time like ugh, they're drawing another card oh and there's four life <laughs> which rarely matters 
given the decks that you are usually playing. Yeah, but it's kind of just like an extra punch that you don't really need. <laughs> yeah, but it. I, I think that that is mostly an inclusion for standard playability, yeah. where it's a fine turn to play against an aggressive deck. You scry a few times, get one card out of it, and four life, and you're you're pretty happy with what that did for you. Um, but in this deck, you know, playing it on turn two and then getting two scries before your next draw step makes it so much more likely that your turn three is a Thought Not Seer or whatever. You, you just... Or you're closer to your Tron piece, mm-hmm. or you can play Reality Smasher sometimes. There's, like, a lot of things that getting to scry yeah. early does for you. And then late game, you get to draw some cards, because you're... Yeah. You really... <laughs> if When you're relying on your top text as Eldrazi Tron, you really want to be drawing a Karn and not drawing, like, a Mattery Shaper. Right, right. These decks still have a bunch of Mattery Shapers in them. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's, I've been told it's, like, the glue card in these decks, which has been very odd to me. It's... It's... Okay... I get it how, like, from the playing the deck's perspective, it's like, yeah, I just kind of, like, need this thing in there to, like, bridge from turn one to turn... But, and this may be an artifact of the decks that I tend to play, I have never, in the history of my modern playing career, had my opponent cast a spell and me being like, I hope this isn't Mattery Shaper right now. It's, It's never entered the battlefield and been bad for me it's just been there i mean i think if you're not it's like a necessary evil to me because it's not a synergy deck really Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of the colorless decks like the old prison decks or even mono green tron they're really synergy decks Mm -hmm. so every card is building towards something this deck you're not building towards anything you're just trying to kill them with like slightly larger creatures yeah so given that you don't have very many cards to put in that slot because you're colorless deck. You can't just play random colored cards. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just like, there isn't anything, I guess. Like, but, you, you, there's a lot of artifacts you can play, but none of them do anything. Right, right. And a lot of them are, you know, you can't play them in your Chalice of the Void deck or whatever. Right. So, I like, I understand and, like, I am sympathetic to, yeah, there's just nothing better, but isn't there something better? <laughs> Not yet. We, we're getting, like, a good artifact card every core set. Mm-hmm. We've gone from side of Mystic Forge to Basemind Tome. Yeah. So in, like, a couple of years, they'll print, like, an upgraded matter reshaper. Sure. And we'll say, wow, this is the one. This is what we've been Thank looking God. for. Thank God. Finally. Like, is it not just, like... I mean, like, yeah, Stone Cold Serpent isn't good enough. Like, I don't have an idea for, like, a proactive early play... It just like I feel like Mattery Shaper's never done anything against me. Like it's like the it's a mulligan. Like I don't know, man. It it blocks. I'm I rarely care that much about well, a single block. Maybe if you don't care, but other people do. Like if I you're guess. playing red green or something, getting a block off. Before it is you can it is good against red green. Like yeah. that is it is definitely necessary against red green. The block is like like it doesn't do anything against the actual attacky decks like Prowess, though. No, of course not. But like Eldrazi Tron's never been that great against Prowess. Right. Well, you get a Chalice in play. That, that's the whole game. You yeah. just have to play Chalice or you I mean, lose. Eldrazi Tron is usually two cards, like, and one is good in each matchup. Like that's I, yeah, fair. But like against the Prowess decks now, Chal- I don't think Chalice is even that great because all of their threats are more than one mana now. I mean, you can't lock out the threats, but you can make the threats really underwhelming if you lock out one. Locking out, especially because of the way that the prowess deck plays out, is that it often 
wants to play a threat on turn two and then unload his hand on turn three. So you get a really good opportunity to lay down your chalice for one, and then you stop all of their gut shots, lava darts, mutagenic growths, uh, lightning bolts. Like, it's a huge... It really messes up their ability to make their threats actually deal damage to you. I agree with that, unless there's, like, a sprite dragon involved. Yeah, then it just every spell still puts a plus one plus one counter on and it. when you still have your chalice of the void as Eldrazitron playing as prowess mm-hmm. and your opponent's still doing their thing sure that's not a win for Eldrazitron. Right. yeah i mean that's true because like a six six sprite dragon will just kill you right and there's you're not stopping them from doing that and the only way to get past that is like carning for sky sovereign or something like that sure which takes forever yeah I mean, you have a lot of dismembers in your sideboard if, if you're expecting that matchup, but sure. Like, that's that's kind of all you can do. I wouldn't want to be playing Eldrazi Tron in, like, a prowess-heavy medic. No, no, definitely not. And plus, it's getting back to the matter shaper point. <laughs> Just having a random creature in play is good against, like, Liliana the Veil and stuff like that. You have reality smashers. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get your reality smashers to die against Liliana. I guess. You gotta <laughs> smash in first, though. <laughs> well, fair. <laughs> I yeah, it, I'm pro Eldrazi Tron. I think. Are you? I mean, Weird. I don't. I don't think I'm ever gonna play it. I am closer to playing it, like when when it was a once upon a time deck. You oh, know, yeah, sure. I was got to play a busted card. Right, right. Of course, but like, like as soon as that became a thing, and you know, not to pat myself on the back too much, but I do recall there was an episode when Once Upon a Time came out and started seeing play. And we were looking at Modern, and I said to Collins, is there any way to fit Once Upon a Time in Eldrazi Tron? And then, a couple of months later, look what we were doing. Look, people figured out that they needed to play their free cantrip to get their most important cards. Listen, somebody had to figure it out, and it wasn't me because I didn't do it, but, you know. <laughs> didn't pull the trigger at on Eldrazi Tron. That neuron fired for me, and that that's, that's kind of nice. But yeah, like, I do have certain problems with Eldrazi Tron as a concept, but they can get fixed, and in particular they get fixed by additions to the deck that help the consistency problems. And Once Upon a Time was a huge thing that made me go, okay, yeah, I would totally play this deck now if I had a tournament to play it in. And Maze Mind Tome is obviously not as good as Once Upon a Time, but it is contributing to that same axis of, I I need my cards that work together and do the thing that matters in this matchup. Yeah, and it's weird that the list that won the champs was only playing three, because mm-hmm. all the list I'd seen before then had been playing four. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if there's, like, something there to that. Well, you can't cut the fourth matter, Reshaper, so... No, of course not. <laughs> That's crazy talk. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I like this deck. I get to play Karn the Great Creator. Karn the Great Creator is a really cool card to play with. It is definitely still the best Karn the Great Creator deck, because... I, I don't know if that's true, but it's it's definitely the most aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. It, what where would Karn be better than in Eldrazi Tron? The deck that doesn't have sideboard cards. Oh, anyways. oh yeah, sure, 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 sure. If you're like the best utilizer of Karn, yes, yeah, sure, sure. That's sure. what I. I don't mean it's the <laughs> like winningest deck that has Karn. It just like makes the best use of that card. Yeah, of course, because you don't have sideboard cards. Karn makes that deck better more than it makes any other deck better. I mean, still some Amulet Titan around. I am kind of surprised that there's not more it just seems like the raw power level of the deck in a new meta game would be a decent place to be but it i, I bet it actually kind of struggles against these versions of the the prowess deck maybe I, i'm not too sure it's been a while since i played amulet mm-hmm. but it doesn't surprise me that there's not that many 
because it's just not a deck very many people play. Sure. And it's so the, much easier now though than it used to be. I mean true, but the only time you ever I ever saw people play just like amulets littering the challenges mm-hmm. were when it was really, really hyped, like when Once Upon a Time was legal. Yeah. Then it was like, oh of course this deck is very strong. And ever since then, and even before then, it was just you saw one or two every now and then. Yeah. I would encourage audience members who have not tried Amulet to like it's it's a different deck than it was before Dryad. Like oh, yeah. it is so much easier to play. It's so much easier to win games with Field and Dryad. You don't have to the complicated stuff was when you had to just lay out your like several turn sequence of chaining titans, and that's not the game plan almost ever anymore. No, once you're a little titan, they're pretty much dead. Yeah. On the spot or the next turn, you don't have to do any fancy more tightening. Right. Like you can, that's why the deck is still good. You have a lot of options for when you resolve Titan. Right. But, like, if you go into it knowing your field and Valakut lines, you're at, like, 90% of your, like, Titan things. Like, like your, your Teleria West lines after Titaning are just so much less important now that, you know, it's a legendarily difficult deck to play, but that legendarily difficult deck isn't what the deck is anymore. So... I, I would encourage people to give it a shot and not let the like mythos surrounding it discourage you from from playing the deck. It's probably the deck I'm closest to just playing if I needed to play modern. Mm-hmm. I would pl- I would start playing Amulet because mm-hmm. I think it's really fun and really good. Mm-hmm. And there's like the two things I want in decks. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that that's a good combo. It's also a deck that can play Karn the Great Creator if it really wants to. You can. I have lost to Karn the Great Creator out of Amulet, for I, sure. I don't know what the Hive Mind's like, opinion on that card is. I, It's always really contentious. Mm-hmm. Some people are just very against it, and some people are for it. And the results don't back up anything. Like, sometimes... I think this top eight list has a Karn in it. I'm going to open it now and be wrong. Oh, no, yep. Yeah, it does have Karn. Yep. So, yeah, this top eight list has a Karn in it. But the one from well, three, last week, three cards. Three you, can't, you can't have a card. <laughs> yeah, but the one the one from last week had no cards. Sure, and there's just no consensus. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I don't love it, I, and not that I have a deep understanding of when Karn is good in Amulet versus when it's not. I mean, at this moment, you're not getting much splash advantage off of artifacts in the format that you're shutting down. There's not even you know there aren't astrolabes or anything anymore. So you don't get value off of the static, really, and you're just trying to use it as a card. And and in particular, like, it's not very good against the prowess decks, which I think are really strong right now, and you probably want to set yourself up to be okay against. I know the reason Karn is played in Amulet because it is because that deck has no, basically non-primeval titan threats. Mm-hmm. And a break point in mana for that deck is you can get to five mana really easily, mm-hmm. and you, but you need to get to six for Primeval Titan. Sure. So if you don't have five mana... Yeah, Karn and a disruptive piece from the sideboard is five mana. Right, or just not forcing yourself to go to five mana, because sometimes you need to hold a bounce land. Mm-hmm. You can just play Karn on four and be on six next turn. Sure. Uh, and then you can, if your opponent interacts, you usually get liquid Metal Coating the first time or an Engineer Explosives. Mm-hmm. And Lokomoto couldn't disrupt your opponent enough if they don't deal with Karn, mm-hmm. where it forces them to deal with Karn, and then you can do your Titan thing. Sure. That's, I think, the really the idea behind Karn. That's every time I've played it, it's done like mm-hmm. that. But I 
have had more games with non-Karn lists than I have with Karn, because Karn is really clunky sometimes. Sure. Yeah, but so I, I guess it's additional threats, and so it makes more sense against, you know, if you're playing against more answer decks, then... Although I guess it is good against the combo decks that are faster than you it's, comboing. Yeah, Karn's are weird split card. Yeah. It's not really a threat. It's like a huge utility package. Yeah. But you do have to deal with them. Sure. Because it'll just kill you. It's it'll, too much value. It'll Armageddon you and then do other stuff. You yeah. grab a Sky Sovereign or Warm Coil or something. Yeah. And put yeah. that onto the battlefield. And you, you have to deal with Karin, but it doesn't just straight up kill you. Sure. I don't have enough experience playing different versions of Amulet to say play a Karn version or don't play a Karn version. I would probably generally lean towards it just because options are nice but i think it's just how you want to build your sideboard yeah. like i think if you want to play amulet i would advocate playing both versions or a few different versions mm -hmm. seeing what you like the most yeah and then just going from there because everything i've read and heard is there's not like one correct way to play amulet it's kind of just what you feel is right, and as long as you build your deck accordingly, you'll probably have a good shot because your core package of like Titan into a bunch of lands is really strong. And you can't just get a Dilks list every weekend. No, anymore, so. you can't. <laughs> so we're kind of in the dark on this one. Goblins is pretty real deck in modern now. Yeah, I. I this is my number two mm -hmm. after Amulet. It's because I own all of the Amulet cards already. Sure. I own almost none of the Goblin cards. Well, you wouldn't have to play a paper tournament anyways. It's true. So. But even on Magic Online. I got you on the Goblins cards. Wow, really? Almost all of them. Uh, probably we would just need to find some conspicuous snoops, and I, I'd have you on the rest of the deck. You have Auntie's Hovel? I have, yeah, it's, I have a set of Auntie's Hovels. That is honestly impressive. Yep, I got them during actual Lorwyn and have not gotten rid of them. So I also had Auntie's Hovels during actual Lorwyn, but I had long since got rid of them. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> but this deck's really good. It's like... I don't want to say really good. Mm -hmm. It is a strong player. People are still trying to figure it out. It's really new. Right. And now, like, this list has a dark has dark confidence in it, too. Yeah. Like, you can do weird stuff with this deck. Yeah. There's even a Frog Tosser Vanaret in this version <laughs> as kind of the fourth dark confidant. Well, <laughs> it's in the fourth dark confidant slot. <laughs> it's just a weird way of... I, I, I don't know what that card is, but there's basically everyone's building this deck really differently. It revolves around the Conspicuous Snoop combo slash value engine. Mm-hmm. Where, on its face, it's just, like, a value engine card for goblins you can play off the top of your library. And this deck doesn't play any lords, but you have sling gang lieutenants, so when you get enough goblins in play, you can just throw them at your opponent's face and kill them. But, if you're not doing that, you have the conspicuous suit combo, which is, if Snoop is in play, you can play a goblin harbinger and grab... Boggart harbinger. Or, excuse me, a boggart harbinger. <laughs> <laughs> grab a kiki-jiki, put it on top of your deck. Snoop gains that ability, and you can copy the Snoop because it's not legendary. Mm -hmm. The Snoop can copy itself. You can make a million Snoops, but they're all tapped. Yep. And then you make one Bargat Harbinger. Yeah. Get your finisher, which is uh, Sling Gang Lieutenant. Sling Gang Lieutenant. And then you kill your opponent. Uh, so it it kind of has a... It's really similar to Devoted Druid combo. Like, you untap with that thing, and then you play your second piece. And if they don't have interaction, they're dead. And then the rest of the deck... What is really cool is that you just play eight hand disruption spells main deck. That makes it pretty easy to put the combo together if, if you have drawn it and, you know, you have goblin matrons to help put the package together and uh, 
it's just like a pretty cohesive deck. You're rarely going to actually kill your opponent with goblins as just like bodies, but putting bodies into play forces your opponent to do something, which yeah. often can let you kill them i've seen some wild games where you resolve a random kiki jiki after they've used their spells <laughs> and you just start making goblins to pressure right just start like <laughs> copying slinging lieutenants or something like that yeah, yeah. well usually if you're a slinging lieutenant in the battlefield you, your goblins just die all the time you don't really care if they live or die right right but when you have other stuff you just get value because you have matrons and harbingers mm-hmm. which both provide incredible value with kiki jiki yeah and you're you could if you want a kiki jiki you can always get one because you have eight tutors for goblin cards in your right. deck along with aether vials so you're not you you don't need like a tutor and then five mana yeah yeah the only thing missing from this deck is some playable way to give conspicuous snoop haste like warchief is just not quite good enough anymore and there's not like a a good way of doing it so the only thing i can think of is post-mortem lunge Mm -hmm. but that requires it to be dead but that is honestly probably better than any other option that gives haste yeah that's true there's also claim to fame this deck is actually already playing unearth but being able to unearth goblin matron is too important to give up so what do you what do you think about goblins do you think it like has staying power yes i think that the problem with it is mostly that removal plus pressure becomes really hard for it to deal with because if you you can't combo off through a lightning bolt no you can disrupt that with hand disruption and stuff but if they are if you're spending mana on hand disruption and they're spending mana on putting bodies on the battlefield and killing you with them um, and, you know, obviously, like, I'm thinking about Prowess here in particular, and that's not a deck that you're going to play against a million times in a tournament. I mean, but, Prowess and Jund are similar enough. Right. Right. Or, or Death Shadow. Yeah. Like, there's there's enough ways to attack this deck that it's it's powerful, but it's definitely beatable. And, like, pretty much every Goblins deck in the, like, goblin matron school of goblins decks like there's just a clunkiness to this thing that can come to get you in in a certain number of games yeah i feel like a lot of these a lot of the draws in this deck really rely on aether vial Mm -hmm. because you need your cards just subpar mana wise they're just cycling themselves you've eight tutors they're not good cards of their own right harbinger's what a two one i think yes and matron's a one one those are three mana sub like downsized creatures (laughs) So you just need the Aether Vial to kind of get over the hump of needing to spend a bunch of mana for 1-1s and 2-1s. Yeah, and Vial is fantastic. The Vial draws with this deck are pretty nutty. Yeah. Well, of course, that's how Aether Vial works. That's how it's always worked. Yeah, definitely. But there are decks that use Aether Vial well, and there are decks that, like, are indifferent. I mean, I guess most decks are indifferent deck when they have the (laughs) That eyebrow waggle use Aether Vial well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, Humans is a very good Aether Vial deck. Like, this deck, like, kind of transcends what the regular version of the deck is able to do when it has Aether Vial. Yeah, so I think <laughs> it's weird because Aether Vial is such a polar card, mm-hmm. but Humans is a good deck with Aether Vial in right. it because your cards are just good. There's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of good draws you can have with Humans that don't involve Aether Vial. Obviously, Aether Vial turbocharges your deck because that's what Aether Vial does. Yeah. But when your deck is, like, Merfolk or Goblins... Right, and you're... <laughs> In particular with the cantripy goblins, like, that's what makes Aether Vial so important is when you have, you know, it, it, it's like death and taxes when you have Recruiter. Like, yeah, I was going to make the same comparison. Yeah. 
even even modern death and taxes aether vial draws are kind of threatening and <laughs> you the non- might die to it and the non-aether vial draws are what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. even even in this era of modern where everything's really powered down we are not seeing any death and taxes happening <laughs> did you hear the buzz about the mono white tokens deck in modern that it's bad i don't know well that's the secret okay <laughs> but yeah there's a huge like hullabaloo around a mono white deck that was all intangible virtues and tokens cards and force of virtues a lot of virtue but no thought seizes or it's mono no, white mono, so actual mono white is it do you at least have like thought like was your how do you keep from dying before you kill them ah uh, that's a great question you do not okay because that's always been the thing like there's a lot of really good token cards in modern but the strategy is not fast enough or powerful enough as a whole to keep up with the things that exist in modern. Yeah, it got a lot of press on Twitter is where I was seeing it a bunch. And I did not understand why. Because okay. the, the deck looked like a pile. And then I looked at these tournament results and I saw zero copies yeah, of anything. I mean, that's anywhere. the least surprising thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, the, the tokens X, like Intangible Virtue, really powerful card. I mean, but, block constructed. Yeah, got banned in that format. It did. Modern is a little higher powered than Innistrad Block Constructed. I mean, not much, but... Yeah. <laughs> you you can't kill your opponent quickly enough with, like, what is it, like, Legion's Landing and stuff? And then Raise the Alarm, Legion's Landing. You're raise just playing, the Alarm? Well, I'm sure there's Raise the Alarm variants in... But yeah, Raise the Alarm. Yeah, okay, you can't play Raise the Alarm in Modern. Like, Clearly. You, the, like, there needs to be something that gives you, like, three bodies for two mana, and then maybe we can figure something out, but that three doesn't bodies exist. for two mana is... No, it definitely does, doesn't exist. Like, what, Hordling Outburst is the red one, right? Yeah, that's three mana, yeah. And it's, it's three al- mana. It's always three mana to get three bodies. Um, yeah, there's, there's just no way that that can exist. Like, if you're gonna play a tokens-type deck, you have to have some way to stop... You're not gonna be the more powerful deck, so you need to have disruptive elements. And there's no way that a mono-white version of that deck can do it. It's kind of cool when your opponent attacks and you get to force a virtue them. But that's, like, the only cool thing you can do. (laughs) That is... That is one thing that could make... could Like, a free anthem effect is, like, pretty neat. But I don't... When you have to exile a white card, it's, yeah, that's, it's rough. That's a lot. You can exile extra lands to it or something. We'd have a deal, especially if you use it on your turn. Right. But neither of those things are true, yeah, so it's really it's not so worth exploring. It's awkward that it's in the force cycle, so you can't use it on your turn when it's... It's an anthem. It's an anthem. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, whenever you top deck it, it's like, okay, I'm missing four damage off of this anthem right <laughs> you, you draw your anthem, you look at your three lands... Like, well, I guess I'll exile a random card to this next turn. <laughs> Can't get an attack in with it now. Yeah, and it must feel terrible to draw. Ugh. Yeah. What'd you play in Modern? What would I play in Modern? Yeah. I play the Is It deck. Straight up Is It. That's very classic, Chris. Yeah, I like it. I, I like Lightning Bolts a lot. I think that I'm, I'm pretty excited about Stormwing's Presence. I think that's a very cool card. Uh, I like a lot. Specifically, I like a lot that Storming's Presence does not die to Fatal Push and rarely dies to Lightning Bolt because you have a bunch of gut shots and mutagenic growths, and so it's just out of range of most of the removal. I mean, targeting 
a storm wings presence with a lightning bolt is a, like a gutsy move <laughs> right but you but know, yeah it's 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 really good that it doesn't die to it yeah and because you like really just can't do that right exactly it's very good <laughs> like there are builds of a prowess deck that you could put together that would allow the turn two Stormwing's presence to die to a lightning bolt that is not this deck yeah i don't think you want to be doing that right lightning bolt's still one of the strongest cards in, in uh modern i was called a pioneer <laughs> It would be one of the strongest cards in Pioneer, too. Um, actually, probably would be really nice to have Lightning Bolt in Pioneer. I, I remember the f- before times, before Lightning Bolt was legal for, like, ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was nice. I, I I mean, certainly Lightning Bolt in Standard was, like, one of the dumbest eras. It wasn't even the best. It wasn't even close to the best deck. No, it wasn't the best deck, but... The existence of Lightning Bolt pushed out a lot of three-mana creatures that might have been playable otherwise. Like, just like a lot of stuff got printed and you are like, yeah, that's not... I'm not going to pay three-mana for that thing. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty pro-Lightning Bolt, just in general. I think it's a good card. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a good card. But yeah, you think it's a good card to have. Yeah. I, Shock just doesn't do anything. Right. And that's... There's no step between Shock and Lightning I know, and it it is really awkward that there's not, because, like, shock is not only, like, you have to be a very specific type of strategy to want that in your deck, it's also, like, you sideboard that out a lot, even in the deck that really wants it. Yeah. So, but Lightning Bolt, you know, so many decks want it, and it's just a little too... I wish there was, like, a modal version that did three to a creature and two to a player or something like that. Well, I see. I think that's the problem with Lightning Bolt, especially in Standard, is that it kills too many things for one mana and, in particular, like, just pushes a lot of three mana creatures out of the format. A split card that was, like... The other way around? The other way around. I guess that is, you know, that's just better Lava Spike, so... I mean, that's what Lightning Bolt is, too. <laughs> well, yeah, but you can only have so many... Like, we can't add another Lava Spike oh, into the burn formats. I, it's it's rough, because I... The way they've been designing standard formats anyway mm-hmm. is that Lightning Bolt would just be a good tool for aggressive decks and against them, but it's not like there's a bunch of two-mana or three-mana creatures people are even playing in the first place. Yeah. It would probably not be cool to give Teamer Wreck lightning bolt. Oh, no, of course not. But it's not cool to give Team Wreck anything. No, I mean, like, we could print lightning bolt and ban Wilderness Reclamation at the same time, and that would be pretty cool. I mean, possibly we should have already banned Reclamation. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> almost certainly. There were seven in the top eight of the SCG Open, I believe. It's just the only deck that you... If you're taking things seriously, it's the only deck you should be playing in standard right now. I think Huey made, a like, a rankings list or something. Mm-hmm. He just replaced the word Teamer, or the word win with Teamer. <laughs> every instance of it in the, in the article <laughs> it was it was cool yeah uh standard is did you know i know you know because i told you today but did you know before that that this weekend is the players tour finals i did not know before you told me earlier today yeah apparently this weekend is the players tour finals uh that's standard i i mean even if we weren't casting a tournament this weekend i would not be particularly interested in watching that no it's what's bizarre is i didn't know it was even happening is this supposed to be like the one of their premier tournaments for the season yeah and it's i i i, I did see a tweet earlier like when i got here pretty much they tweeted out that there is 25k in prizes or 250 250 in yeah. prizes and 
it was happening this weekend, and I'm like, all right, it's Tuesday. This is the very first time I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and I know, I'm sure that, you know, we've been over this before, and I know that, like, Twitter had this conversation and stuff, but just, like, looking at the prize breakdown for this is, like, the premier, premier tournament. Like, this is what you queue for by doing well in a regional PT. Like, it's, it's a PT hard. final. It's hard to play in this. Yeah. And first place is $10,000. What was first place at the old Pro Tours? More than ten thousand dollars. It was forty. It was, it was fifty. It was forty, and then they increased it to fifty. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but like, even the old ones, the forty thousand ones, were still four times better. Yeah, and I know that this is different because it's COVID and et cetera, et cetera. But and and, and you know the prizes go all the way down, so everybody gets their participation prize. But ten thousand dollar first prize is just pathetic, especially when they want like the big esports. The the esports thing is to like hype your prize pool, yeah. Especially for first place, Dota does this all the time, right? Because they crowdfund their international every year, and it's like un- untold millions of dollars. They right. just retire for life after they win that it's tournament. An incredible <laughs> amount of money, right? And Wizards is like tried that with the Mythic Invitational. I think was the first big one. They like hyped that up, yeah. And now they're just like disguising it by saying two fifty thousand in prizes among this range of people, right? But there's one hundred and fifty people in the tournament, and like everybody gets at least a thousand dollars. So then, <laughs> did you know also for this uh, PT finals, players are not allowed to stream it. What? Yeah. So Wizards email sent email instructions, right? And they said that you cannot stream your matches, like for your personal stream or whatever. But they are still doing coverage by asking players to stream their games to them, mm-hmm. which is wild. I, that's really weird. I What's don't, the goal for like the? I, I guess I'm sure that the internal logic that like led to that was we don't want players in our tournament competing with our stream, but. As like what we've found from running tournaments is that's not how it works at all. No, and and certainly we have like a different relationship with like our audience. You know, it, it is very different our stream tournaments from the actual pro tour. But what we have found is like players stream, their audience shows up to watch them. We put on our tournament, our audience shows up and watches us, and th- it's a mutually beneficial relationship sort of thing and some people are just in both streams yeah that's not really going to happen for the pro tour mostly because i think the pro tour stream is more targeted towards um it's hard for me to say but i don't think the same people who would be jazzed of watching the pro tour stream is going to be the same level of enthusiasm watching like the pro player who's streaming it that they like yeah and i would rather Watsy have some just allow their players to stream and let them build their own fan base and interact with them mm-hmm. because streaming is not beneficial to your tournament it's a negative right you're not focusing on the games as much and if you're not streaming on a delay which a lot of players do not like to do because it cuts off interaction from the community right which is like the secret of streaming is that like interaction is almost the only thing that matters at all that's what people show up for yeah and if you if you force people like streaming is just a negative because if you're not streaming on a delay people can cheat off your screen Mm -hmm. and if you're popular enough people will see what you're doing yeah and some people i know canister 
specifically does does not care if people uh it, he he it's a risk of streaming mm-hmm. he thinks it's way better to interact with the chat and just maybe lose some games of magic right and grow his brand in exchange right you know get out there like interact with people and be a magic a visible magic player and watsi has said this is not important you're not allowed to stream your match except for us and we'll restream it <laughs> weird it's a really bizarre decision and this has been corroborated like the email instructions have been corroborated by like multiple people on twitter and every time i hear about it i'm just why yeah it's boggling that like i i think it shows one one of two things either they just like didn't spend very much time thinking about this and just like did it or it shows like a kind of fundamental under misunderstanding of like what streaming is, what your players can do for you, what you can do for your players. It's a disappointing, like dumb little thing. Don't talk about jumpstart. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we, I, that was an unplanned topic. Yeah. So yeah, well, I didn't even know that. So yeah, but, it was. It's crazy. It's right? really weird. I, I you just don't get it. Yeah. So I played some jumpstart. Jumpstart is really weird too. Well, first of all, the the distribution model for Arena oh, atrocious. You can't buy packs of it. You can only play in the event. Okay. Somebody did the math, and it was like, yeah, if you play in this event like three thousand six hundred times, you'll get all the Jumpstart cards. I don't know what number what it was, but it was an an amount that is impossible for a human to do. It's you you pay five hundred gems for it. You get two Jumpstart packs. And then you play as much as you want with your deck, and then your first two wins get you a random jumpstart rare without wa- without duplicate protection. So answer me a question I not know the answer to: Do you own the cards in the two jumpstart boosters that are given to yeah, you? Yeah, you do own those. You cards. Do okay, thank goodness. Yes, but that does not really alleviate the the huge problem because a lot of cards are just jumpstart extra cards. Yes. Like, I know Woe Strider was in Theros Beyond Death mm-hmm. and is just a jumpstart card, so you can open a 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th Woe Strider. Yes. And a lot of the rares are really not anywhere close to, like, a thing that you would want in Constructed Magic either. So, so I mean, which is not too different from other packs of Magic cards. But you are paying, you know, 100 gems is what a pack costs. You are paying 500 gems, and you're getting two packs that don't contribute to your little wildcard wheel, and then you're getting... Two rares, which don't have duplicate protection. So it's like way, way worse value than buying five packs would be. And in order to do it, you have to play with your, you have to play matches with your jumpstart packs in order to get the two rares. And sometimes your jumpstart deck is just like really unplayable. You have to win to get the rares. (laughs) I mean, and you have unlimited tries. But that's really painful when you're like, oh no, this is dinosaur. Like When you've been going at it for an hour and you just want to stop. Like, I didn't realize that this combo would be so bad. <laughs> but you wanted the lands, because if you pick a pack, you get the land art forever. That's true. Yeah. And some of these... So, I have a number of criticisms of the actual gameplay of Jumpstart. Okay. And in particular, I think Arena makes this a lot worse. When they announced Jumpstart... You know, your my first reaction to it was like, huh, take like two halves of a deck and put them together. Like, that's mostly going to make like really bad decks, right? 
And, and then I was thinking about it and was like, well, I mean, obviously, if they're making this a product, they're going to find a way for it to work. They just, th- it started and ended with designing the dual lands where you get to choose the second color. That's the <laughs> entire, like, sacrifice that they made towards letting two of these things play together. Like, so many of the decks just don't work with so many of the other decks. There are no overlapping themes. Yeah, it, it just like... What if you play Lightning and Mill? There's just two disparate halves that don't it, even function. Right. Or, or, like, the Dinosaurs deck just kind of doesn't work with anything. Like, it's it's really bad. And it's the fundamental underlying theme of the form. Like, it's how the format is made, and it just straight up doesn't work. I don't get it. And then when you play against somebody who did get two things that go together... Because I, I, I played a few, because I was just like... I, am I missing something? Like, and I got one that was like the 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 prowess deck and the Teferi deck. <laughs> okay, and it was unbeatable because <laughs> it was just like prowess creatures and spells, and also sometimes I drew Teferi. Which Teferi was it? Uh, Teferi, the new Teferi, four mana Teferi, um, Master of Time. Master of Time. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so usually it would be like play a guy, kill a guy, cast Teferi. The game is the most over. <laughs> so, you know, that, and that's another one of my big criticisms of the Jumpstart format is that the power level of individual cards varies so wildly. There's a bunch of commons that, like, I kind of wouldn't put into most limited decks, but you just, like, have them. And you, you have to play the right card. Right. Like, okay, I've got a frenetic, ra- a frenzied raptor or whatever in this deck. Like, okay. <laughs> And then your opponent's like, oh, I drew my Mythic Rare. <laughs> and some, and, and the packs have different rarities to them themselves. Mm-hmm. I know that. The, do the packs' power level kind of correlate with rarity? It's kind of random, random. a little bit. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's like classic, like, I think that the designers of these things didn't quite understand, like, how powerful anything in particular was. And they didn't make any efforts towards, like, cohesiveness it doesn't feel like it and that's one of the i don't know why i just thought of this random example but like shards of alara block Mm -hmm. had a lot of random themes like naya was the big creature theme Mm -hmm. esper was just the artifact stuff yeah but they all like interacted yeah there was overlap there's a lot of naya you could do really cool stuff with those two together like the devour mechanic made your guys big enough to turn on the naya stuff like even your bant naya deck where you could exalt it into five power creatures mm-hmm. or your dinosaurs were huge and went got even bigger right right and even esper which was the most isolated shard because it was all artifact stuff still had synergy with the other shards because it was a lot of utility cards mm-hmm. but for jumpstart they decided to it's like clear they can try this overlapping stuff i've seen it before and they just didn't <laughs> I mean, I think that Jumpstart is an idea that ends up creating, like, pretty much an unsolvable problem. I don't believe it's possible for me to come to you with an idea that is, hey, I want you to do a thing where you pick one pack and another pack and shuffle them together and it's a deck now. I think you can't. I, I don't think it's possible with Magic the Gathering cards. Uh, unless your themes are just so within one type of magic. like, it, And it would be really boring because it's just too too much of the same but it's like you can pick a pack like 
you know, the, the way it works on the arena event is you get to pick from three. Mm-hmm. And so you pick like a sacrifice themed one and then you get three packs and it's almost impossible that any of those things are actually going to interact with your sacrifice themed deck. Yeah. Okay. That's disappointing. I had some high hopes for Jumpstart. I think that in real life, you can subvert a lot of these problems because you can make a more informed, like, matchup determination sort of thing. Like, I'm not going to be playing my Teferi Prowess deck, and then you're like, okay, I have dinosaurs and sacrifice somehow. Like, in paper, you can set that up and you can make the matchups kind of make more sense. Are the packs labeled in paper? I don't know how it works in paper. I don't. Well, I've I've not seen it. But you paper can cards. open the stuff first. <laughs> I've looked and at figured them. out. Like it's it's like an effort thing, probably. But you can you can do that. And also, I also I can't really tell this, but definitely like I I tried the reanimator deck, and it was like, oh my god, this deck doesn't do anything. And that's because the powerful legacy level reanimation spells in the actual jumpstart packs got replaced with the worst reanimation spell possible. Five mana, only your graveyard sorcery speed. Yeah, I know. It's so they replaced reanimate and exhume. Yeah. A one mana and a two mana card. Yeah. With Zombify and Bonds of Revival. A four mana and a five mana card, both of which only target your graveyard. No, it's even worse than that. It's, 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 not, it's not Bond of Revival. Because really? Bond of Revival gives it haste, it at does, least. Yeah. The one that was in the deck that I played was just five mana, get it back from your graveyard. Rise from the grave? Not even... No, Rise from the oh, grave. Oh, targets. You're right. Yeah. It, uh, this is this was like a terrible card that I didn't even know existed. It's actually the worst reanimation spell in all of Magic. And they replaced Reanimate or Exhume with it. And it, it the deck is unplayable. Like, because... It, it just has a five mana spell where it's supposed to be a one or two mana spell. <laughs> okay. It's wow. so weird. And and so I think that that really detracts from the experience too, is that those decks that had their best cards replaced with, you know, there's just like not Flame Tongue Kavu in the deck that's supposed to have Flame Tongue Kavu. Flame Tongue Kavu would be one of the best cards in Jumpstart. I know Lightning, the Lightning theme deck, mm-hmm. had Lightning Bolt and Chain Lightning in it. Yeah. And those cards both got replaced, and Lightning Bolt got replaced with Lightning Strike. Which is fine. Like, that's not that much worse in this sort of format. And Chain Lightning also got replaced with Lightning Strike. <laughs> so, so, like, that deck is fine. But I've heard it's just not good. Okay, well, then I have no idea. <laughs> but, like, that is way less of a downgrade than... Oh, it's because that was a really burn-focused deck. It got, like, three of its cards replaced, because it had Ball Lightning as well. Oh. Which got replaced with Lightning Serpent. Ball Lightning's a 3 mana for 6 damage. Lightning Serpent, you pay 3 mana for it, you get 3 damage? Did you know that I top aided states with Lightning Serpent in my deck? I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> that was many, many years ago at this point. Yeah, Cold Snap was standard legal. Yeah. That had to have been at least 2006 or 2007. It was, yeah, Time Spiral, Lorwyn standard with cold snap in it. It was the worst version of cold snap standard. It was a not a good version of standard. But uh I I had a fun deck. It was green red aggro that was just splashing Tarmogoyfs in a mono red aggro deck and turned out it was like relatively early on and people realizing that Tarmogoyf was really good. Yes. I remember that time. I opened a Tarmogoyf at the future site pre-release mm-hmm. and sold it for two dollars. Whoops. Because it was a bulk rare. Yeah. 
Well, it had Planeswalker on it. That's not even a card type. <laughs> it took a minute. It took a little while. What a weird time. Yeah, I, I wasn't playing Standard at that point when Lorwyn was legal because I did not like the Lorwyn format. But mm-hmm. I love the limited format. I really like Triple Lorwyn a lot. Yeah. It was... That was... For anybody who didn't play that, <laughs> Lorwyn Limited was one of the most finicky formats. Everything just had, like text and activated abilities and you could target anything with anything yeah also silvergill dowser counted merfolk and fairies there are a lot of cards like that but silvergill dowser was by far the best it's the only one you remember (laughs) like i can't name any of the other ones but i know there's a like goblin and um fairy one well there's bugger sprite chaser it gets flying and plus one plus one yeah yeah (laughs) There's a lot of random cross-synergy. Like, Lorwyn's the best tribal block they've ever done as far as tribes are concerned. Sure. It was, like, really engaging. They messed it up with Morning Tide because you couldn't keep track of anything anymore. Yeah. I, it was <laughs> a, a, a neat idea to, like, make the classes relevant, but it just wasn't executed in a way that, like, made you able to easily internalize what was going on with it. I honestly don't think there's a good way to execute it because if you're having all the... Lorwyn had eight races in it. Mm-hmm. They all had varying degrees of synergy mm-hmm. and that that's a kind of a lot already to balance and then within those tribes they all have just various subtypes yeah classes like warriors and wizards and rogues they're not just in like goblins and fairies yeah i i mean like that would have been fixable if it were just like you know goblins only have two classes or whatever yeah goblins are the rogues and the shamans or whatever yeah exactly but you can't have right warriors shamans rogues and whatever in the same it it just gets too confusing if like each of the each of the races had like a fighter class and a mage class or something like that then it would be much easier to keep track of but as it was it once morning tide came out it was impossible drafting was such a headache yeah it made changelings even better. Well, changelings were already yeah, very cha- good. Changelings were really good in the regular format. I, I very commonly my first pick was Avian Changeling, which is just <laughs> a Windrake with Changeling. Yeah, but it was always like a three three and turned on other stuff. Like yeah, it, it was really good for enabling the cross synergy things, like a, a a giant if you controlled a Kithkin and a Kithkin if you controlled a giant. Yeah, yeah, and right, allowing your blind spot giant to fight was always very important. So. So yeah, jumpstart kind of disappointing. I I wish that the execution were a little different, and but I don't know that it's like a salvageable concept. Except in paper, when you were playing with friends, I think there's a way to massage it into something interesting. But it takes that takes effort. They did make all of the jumpstart cards legal and historic, though. Yeah, that I believe was not a good plan. <laughs> that well, it may have been. It's weird, right? I, I think it's pretty clear. I think I know what happened here. What happened? Okay, so they had Jumpstart in okay. the pipeline. All right. They were going to make it happen. It was going to be a paper-only thing. Of course. And then COVID happened, and they had to make it an arena thing. So I've heard that before, and that always seems a little generous to me. Mm-hmm. Because it would imply that Watsi is capable enough to program all of this mm. in a short time frame. Well, either way, I think it was clearly intended for paper, and then at some point somebody said, "Oh, hey, let's just put this ha- on. Why don't we arena? just put this on Arena?" I, I'm, I'm sure that's what happened. I yeah. don't know if it was COVID. Yeah, it might not have been COVID, but it clearly 
was not originally intended for Arena, and clearly, like, kind of doesn't work on Arena. That's why they had to sub cards out yeah, for it. If you're subbing cards for Arena, you just don't put those cards in the, the paper set. Yeah. You just pretend they were never there. Right. And, and like, that doesn't work in Jumpstart because it's specific packs. Now that you have it on Arena, you have to make it playable in something. So you have to just put all those cards into Historic. It, it definitely, like, calls into question kind of what they are trying to do with Historic. If anything, like clearly it is a dumping ground for the cards so that you don't just like lose all your cards when they rotate out of standard. But it has to be a format. And so it needs to be, it needs to have an identity in some way. And pushing all of these jumpstart cards straight into it makes it definitely not the format where like you can play your old standard cards in because... And, and I mean, same thing with the anthologies, too. Like, that clearly makes it not, like, where you can play all of this, the stuff that you enjoyed in Standard. But, man, some of these Jumpstart cards are quite good. Yeah, the three that pop to mind are Muxus, mm-hmm. the Goblin six-mana card I don't know the full name of. Yep. King of the Goblins is what I'm going to call him. Something like that. Then there's Explore, randomly <sighs> snuck into Jumpstart. What? It's just more growth spirals. So, as if so growth spirals weren't good enough. Right, like, clearly the growth spiral Uro deck is going to be fine in Historic. Do we really... Especially because Field of the Dead is legal. Right, for some reason. Do you need <laughs> another Explorer in the Field of the Dead deck? Like, the more Explorers you have, the better they get, because you just focus all of your deck building on, like, having lots of lands and wanting to have lots of Explorers. The other... The third Historic card I have seen play that i like is chromatic sphere which is also just bugged <laughs> yeah it's just a nonsense it's, it's bugged to work the way it did in like 2005 yeah when it was like printed in myriad or something yeah and you could just sort of cheat with it it was invasion originally right it was originally an invasion but the way the way the, the bug the bug is and i don't know if they fixed it since i don't think so i don't think there's been a patch mm-hmm. but the way chromatic sphere works just in the rules of magic is that it's a mana ability that draws a card. <laughs> it's, as far as I know, one of the only cards that does this. There's like a cycle of eggs from Odyssey to do it, but Chromaxphere is the only one they ever reprint. Mm-hmm. So it's so on Magic Online, for the longest time, like actual Magic Online, not Magic Arena, you could activate your Chromatic Sphere while paying for an ability. It would draw a card to your hand. And you could And undo. then you could undo the mana ability. The card would go back on top of your library, <laughs> and you would just... You know, you got to scry for free, basically. You got to check the top card of your library anytime. Deranged Assistant from Innistrad also did this, which was a milliken. It added mana oh, sure. and milled the top card. So you could activate an ability, tap it for mana, see what your top card was, and undo it, mm-hmm. put it back. Obviously, every time these things happen on Magic Online, they patch it out. They, like, fix it. But they just forgot to do this when they were programming Chromatic Sphere into Arena. So the same thing happens. You can just activate something... Use a mana, draw your card, then undo it and put it back. Oh my god. That's so bizarre. And, I mean, Chromatic Sphere is mostly like an abomination of a magic card. Oh, for sure. But this was also a set where they specifically excluded cards that were difficult to program. Right. Citing Time to Feed as one of them. And Chromatic Sphere just has a direct replacement. Chromatic Star. They just made it to fix that. That's why Chromatic Star exists at all. 
Yeah, it's not because they wanted Tron decks to have eight chromatic spheres. Right. It's because they didn't like the weird mana ability that draws a card thing. Yeah, there's a whole fix for this already. Like, why is sphere in jumps? I guess it was a secondary, but it was like, because everybody has plenty of stars, and so and spheres are harder to find or whatever. Sphere's but. been printed three times, I believe, and uh, it's always common. Yeah. Chromatic Star was a common in Time Spiral and an uncommon in 10th edition, and they're still impossible to find. Okay. Well, then I have no idea what, <laughs> what the impetus was behind having Sphere. What? Maybe it's because they just wanted to save their reprint equity for Chromatic Star. I guess. That's so weird. But yeah, so Sphere, weird. Explore, bad plan. Muxus, I, I've been playing some Historic Goblins. It's just busted. It's not okay. <laughs> They banned Nexus of Fate, which is like a turn 5, turn 6 combo deck with a good control plan that like killed you. Muxus Goblins is an aggro deck that just has a turn 3 kill. <laughs> yeah, so Muxus, when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top 6 cards of your library, put any number of goblin cards with, what, CMC 4 or less, four or less. onto the battlefield. So basically every goblin ever printed. Yes, except for other Muxuses. Sure. It's the only thing is you can't chain those. So... That, in combination with any of the goblin lords that give all of you guys haste, generally means that you cast Muxus and then you have a lethal attack. And I know Goblin War Chief from Scourge and Dominaria is already in the client because it's in Dominaria, right? Yeah, yeah, that's legal. But there's also just a random another goblin lord that's legal from an anthology. <laughs> goblin Chieftain, plus one, plus one in haste to all of your guys. So whatever, and I've seen versions with four of one and zero to one of the other. I've seen versions with four of the other and zero to one of one. I've seen versions with all eight. But whatever combination you want, you can make it pretty likely that your Muxus will put in a bunch of goblins and give them all haste. And because Kirk Prospector was in Dominaria, yep. you can just turbo out Muxus so early. Yeah. And the uh, Wily Goblin has finally found a home and is actually quite good in this deck. Yeah, it provides two mana. Yeah. Yeah, Skirk Prospector into Wily Goblin is how you turn three Muxus. But generally, it is just nice that you, you can... do it with Goblin Instigator as well. Yes, which that's Which is the true. Mogwar Marshal. That's area. true. Um, but, like, Wily Goblin is nice because you can play it into... Like, you're not committing anything at all. If they play Sweeper or Removal Spells or something, it's still giving you plus one mana towards your Muxus. And you just randomly have... There's a lot of anthology cards in the Goblin's deck. Goblin Matron. Yeah, Goblin Matron is very good in the deck. Also, Gem Palm Incinerator? Are you kidding me? You know... Why are we allowed to play Gem Palm? We're not allowed to play with this card in Modern! You know, the best part no one ever talks about? Because it, it doesn't matter that much. Incinerator counts every Goblin on the battlefield. Yeah, in the mirror, <laughs> it's just completely nuts. It's just uncounterable Terminate the Cantrips. And you, you don't even have to have a board. No, it just kills everything always, all the time. Unfortunately, it's usually not good enough against the Goblins deck because Muxus puts so many creatures into play. Right, but it... Well, so it's kind of necessary. You need some amount of removal to keep their Skirk Prospectors off of the battlefield. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. You know, it. you need it. it. It's just not as busted as it is, like, when you're playing against Gruul and they're like, here's a Scavenging Ooze, and you're like, here's a Gem Palm Incinerator. You can Matron for it. Yep. It you gives, do a lot. It gives your Conspicuous Stoop cycling if it's on the top of your library. <laughs> but only if it's on the battlefield. Right, it gives your on the battlefield snoop cycling. But it does do it. It does do that. That's true. Uh, yeah, the deck is pretty good. The ways that I've seen to beat it, the 
I think it's like generally favored against the Field of the Dead decks, but you can build your Field of the Dead deck to be okay against goblins because you combine not only you can't just be a control deck against goblins. You right. can't be a removal and like hand, like Muxus will get cast and kill you. Goblins make too many bodies for control plants to be that effective. Right. So you need some way of getting onto the battlefield in a massive way. And Field of the Dead can accomplish that. So some combination of removal spells and wraths, and then just here's a lot of tutus so that Muxus doesn't kill me when you cast it, can do it. The matchup that I, the only matchup that I actually lost to, I played about 20 matches and I lost one, was I played against Is It a deck that I don't know if it beats anything else, but it was just like shock, lightning strike, crackling drake, counter spells. The, the key card was Fiery Cannonade. Oh. Uh, just because you can put goblins into play to, like, slowly... Like, the way that it works is the way that all creature plus combo decks have worked, is you put stuff on the board, force them to do something about it, and then you kill them with your, your big thing. But with instant speed, clear your board in a way that you just can't defend from. You, like, put goblins on the board, and they can hold up counter magic, and then end of turn wipe your board, mm-hmm. and then you... So that was a thing that I was like, oh shoot, I just can never ever beat this deck. Um, but other than that, like, played against, like, a Jund-style deck that I played Conspicuous Snoop on turn two, and they fought for a while, and then they Assassin's Trophied my Conspicuous <laughs> Snoop. <laughs> so that was not a losable matchup. And, yeah, against a lot of normal stuff, this Goblins deck is just way too good. Yeah, I've watched Alan play this for, like, a couple weeks now. <laughs> Alan Swan. Yeah. And he hadn't played Arena at all. Then, like, made the count, got cards for it. <laughs> this is, like, in Mythic two, a week and a half later. Yeah. He's, like, number 69 on the leaderboard. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's really where you want to be. It is. It's exactly the spot. Yeah, the deck is, is really strong. It's really really strong yeah i i mean i have not played a ton of historic or anything but at this moment i would not consider playing anything else yeah historic may be just a hellscape if this goblin deck continues to just run rampant i mean just ban muxus and it's gone like it's the only reason the deck is good at all i mean yes but like do you want to ban a card you put specifically on historic do you want to put cards specifically into historic like, i mean clearly they do <laughs> yeah like why though i actually kind of get that because they want to make historic a distinct format i don't think the way they're doing it is right at all i see you're ascribing like pretty good motivations to wizards on this my feeling on how it happened and the reason like the anthologies exist is like like here's the progression like we got cards on arena oh no these cards are going to rotate out of standard. We got to do a thing. All right, we'll make historic. It's, the cards aren't gone forever. They're there. You can totally play historic. Wait, how do we make money off of historic? <laughs> like, now that it exists, there has to be a way of making money off of it. And we saw, like, what a disaster Modern Horizons was for Modern. Like, clearly the historic anthologies are only going to go badly for historic in the long run. Like, we already had to ban Burning Tree Emissary. Like all of these cards should have never been in any of them. It's so crazy. Why would you put that in this anthology? I, I don't understand. Also, this Goblins deck is like half cards that were never standard legal in in the past. You know, like, like yeah, they're just ancient cards. If you want to play Goblins on Historic, you have Skirk Prospector, Goblin Instigator, Goblin War Chief, and then a bunch of cards from the anthology. Yeah, it's so weird. Whatever. <laughs> okay. 
But that's that's kind of historic for now. Maybe for a while. I don't. This Goblin deck is so good. I don't know what supplants it, if anything. Yeah. I mean, you can clearly build decks specifically to beat it. I don't know if that is a deck beats anything else, but it certainly beats Goblins. I mean, I don't. If a format's in a spot where you know the best deck for sure, mm-hmm. and then you're targeting it, you better be beating it every single time. Yeah. And that's just not how magic works. True. But I don't know. Like, it, it was one of the most lopsided matchups I've ever played. Like, I, I needed my opponent to, like, miss land drops to have a chance, and they didn't, and I just, like, couldn't possibly win. So, but I don't know how that deck ever beats, like, a Field of the Dead deck. You've got a bunch of, like, removal and crackling drakes, and they're just like, okay, turn five, like, here's all these tutus. <laughs> uh, five not. I need to wait for this goblin thing to tide over before I go back to historic. <laughs> I've, I've that was my format where I liked playing Kethison. Mm-hmm. Like when I had some downtime and play some Kethis games. Because there's a bunch of different ways you can build it. It's really interesting. Yeah. If annoying, a little to play online. And now I just got Chromatic Sphere, so I can play with that. That's really good. Yeah. But you're just gonna get run over by goblin. I can't play that deck. Yeah. I'm playing a one three on turn two, and then they have eight power in play without a Muxus. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, is, like, once you deal with the random duders that they've put into play, then you just die. So, yep. Every format is bad. Except Modern. I think Modern's probably pretty good. But also, Modern was pretty good before they banned Astrolabe, so I don't really know why they did that. Well, I think it was more of an appeasement thing. I think really, people want to really wanted that card banned in Legacy, and they're just like, no, I don't think so. Right, Legacy is the appropriate format to ban it in, right? The one with Wasteland, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just, like, yeah. shuts down the, one of the core tenants. Police of the format is, like, you can't play four colors unless you're, like, okay with dying to Wasteland. And I honestly am pretty anti-Wasteland, just in general. I think the worst games of Magic ever, the Delver games, where you're, like, Wasteland, Danger Thing, all right, game's over, good time. Sure. But Wasteland as a punish for, like, I just, the, all of these cards in Legacy are good. I can't choose between them. Like, I think Wasteland is a fine punish for that. Yes. I wish it could only be used for that. Sadly, it can't. Yeah. But because it's one of those checks, banning Astrolabe is kind of a popular move in that format. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. Right. And nobody really, we were not clamoring for getting Astrolabe out of I wanted Mystic Sanctuary fan. I yeah, I think that was the Astrolabe prop. That was the only thing Astrolabe was enabling at this point. That was like, come on, I don't, I don't think this is where we want to be. Like, do you know how bad Urza Lord High Artificer is now? It's just not playable. <laughs> there's no Mox level. There's no Arkham's Astrolabe. You're just, you just don't have anything. Right. I mean, those were the two good artifacts, and you were playing like a bunch of stinkers, and like, like Misha's Bobble was fine. Like. Right. <laughs> so you just can't enable Urza anymore. Nope. So Urza's going to be in the bulk boxes for a little bit, in the commander decks or the cubes or what have you. Yeah. Just waiting for the Mox Up One ban. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I don't believe that's ever going to happen at this point. It, like, kind of could, though, now. Yeah. I think it could. I'm, I'm honestly willing to give a large majority of the ban list another shot. Mm-hmm. Not the cards that are obviously too egregious and not going to be fun for gameplay, but cards that are like cool mm. or proactive or fun. I'd be down to give them a shot again. Like um, the one I think the most fair is Green Sun Zenith. Okay. I would probably like to ban Dryad Arbor if mm-hmm. Green Sun Zenith comes in because I don't want every deck to just have free Atlanta Elves as a tutor box. The one 
the main problem that I have with Green Sun Zenith is that it's just way too good an amulet. Oh, that is true. That wasn't a deck when it was illegal the first time. Yeah. But I'd be willing to give it that shot. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, even if these cards are too good, like Green Sun Zenith ends up just being too good an amulet and people just can't adapt to it. Mm -hmm. Then we just ban it again, you know? Yeah. I... I think the cards you just really don't want to unban are the ones that are just way like Second egregious. Sunrise and stuff. Yeah, Second Sunrise, Sensei's Divining Top, uh, Grogard Grave Troll, mm -hmm. uh, Splinter Twin. Just cards that don't promote fun gameplay. Sure. <laughs> that are just like either super repetitive or very boring. Mm -hmm. I don't want those. Yeah. Right. But like it's possible that like Deathrite Shaman could be fine. Yeah, maybe you can play Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Who knows? Probably not, but I'm willing to give it a shot. It is a lot for one mana. <laughs> it is a lot for one mana. And we played it mostly fair back back before Deathrite was mm -hmm. banned. I, I would oh, yeah, hesitate was... to see what 2020 Magic players would be doing with Deathrite. It, it was mostly just now. making Jund real, real good. <laughs> right, and people are not going to be like... I mean, people are going to be, all right, let's put this in Jund. But then everyone else is going to be like, let's put this in everything else. Right. I mean, we broke Gilded Goose, so. Yeah. Not to brag or anything. <laughs> but I just mean, like, Magic players oh, in yeah, general, I know, like, I know. figured out that Gilded Goose is broken. Like, Shout out to Mox Opal for that one as well. <laughs> it was a player in that. Yeah. And Oko. Oko. You can't ban You can't unban Oko either. No, you absolutely cannot. But a lot of the cards in the modern ban list, I would just be down to give a preliminary uh, probation, I guess. Maybe that's not the right word. But yeah. Like a trial period. Sure. Should we check up on Patreon questions? Yeah, we probably should. All right, so for our Patreon question of the week, Elliot asks, There's been a lot of talk about how unhealthy formats are, especially modern and pioneer. Both formats have been degenerate for some time now. What would healthy versions look like? Do the new bans help? Um, I think modern is actually like has been in an okay spot. Like Astrolabe was mostly enabling like fair kind of reactive counterspelly decks. Like there's some cards in the format that are like more powerful than other cards. Uro in particular and Mystic Sanctuary doing some stuff. But modern is like was in an okay place before the Astrolabe ban and probably continues to be. You can at least do a lot of different stuff. It's kind of been that way ever since Faithless Looting got banned, right? Yeah. In January? Yeah. Or about, I guess Mox Opal Oko, really. Right. Once the the powerful... The old guard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Faithless Looting left, and then that gave enough room for the, like, busted mid-range artifact deck to just be more powerful than everything. And then once that was gone, just, like, has Wild Wested for a while at this point. And I think even during the Companion Wild West... That Akoria mm -hmm. brought, modern was still pretty healthy, not really like healthy as a as healthy as you could be after introducing. It Lurus was the healthiest companion, companion format. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but Pioneer in particular, like Pioneer, is clearly not healthy, and Wizards clearly doesn't understand this. At like nobody wants to play the Pioneer events, and they just lowered the requirement Threshold. for firing the challenges to 32 players because nobody's joining these tournaments. I So what I think makes a healthy format is really simple. It's pretty much if people just want to play it. Mm -hmm. That That's kind of it. Yeah. I think that's the answer to the question of, is this a good form? Is like, do people show up for these, these tournaments? Like modern, even when it was bad, 
like 2018 when KCI is legal and all these other stuff is legal. Faithless Looting, Dredge exists. Mm-hmm. Even Creeping Chill and Arclight Phoenix are good. Yeah. Right? All these decks exist. And Modern has huge attendance. Was that format healthy? I mean, some decks were way too powerful, but everyone loved playing it. And that's the point. Like, you need people to want to play the game. If they don't, then you're failing. If they do, everything else is secondary to that goal. If people don't want to play your perfectly balanced format, then your format sucks. It's not doing its job. Yeah, let's pretend current Pioneer is perfectly balanced between this trifecta that we've kind of associate with Pioneer, the mono-white inverter breach deck. Mm -hmm. Let's, for argument's sake, say this is perfectly balanced format. This is the format. (laughs) But no one's playing it. What's wrong? I guess that it's not a good format. Right. It doesn't matter if the power level is balanced. Right. Well, I mean, as a thought exercise, like, imagine that everybody's magic decks are 22 basic lands and 38 grizzly bears. Like... It's perfectly balanced, but it's not fun. No, I'm not playing that format. Yeah, like, it's not good. You gotta entice me with 21 grizzly bears and three hill giants. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> but, you know, like, balancing a format is not the end-all be-all. Getting people to want to play the format is the goal. And when people don't want to play your format, then you are screwing up. And even if, like, yeah, Inverter, it's only got a 49% win rate, but nobody wants to play your format that has Inverter in it, you have to fix that. And so, I mean, Pioneer, in its best iteration, you know, I want a couple of good aggro decks that are actually playable, that don't just, like, lose because there's a good Fatal Push deck in the format and they can never beat that card. Uh, Like, I think that is super important. The combo decks can certainly be allowed to exist as long as they're not just like i mean control combo is just not a healthy thing in a format of this power level like inverter can't real reasonably exist i believe it has positive matchups against everything in the format and basically if hardened scales is playable then i think we've like come to a good place i i'll speak pretty generally like to me a healthy format is just got enough different archetypes available where Everyone who wants to play can, can find something. Can find something to play, mm-hmm. and it, it, before Theros Beyond Death, and after the initial wave of bans from Pioneer, this was when Niv Mizzet was pretty good and Chonky Red was really good. Mm-hmm. I did not like Pioneer. There's mm-hmm. just nothing I wanted to play yeah. at all. Yeah, and despite a lot of people really liking that format, I just had nothing for me at all. So I didn't want to play it. Sure. Because I and when Lotus Breach became available, I really liked that deck and I latched onto it. And then it became clear no one wanted to play because there was just way too much combo. Mm-hmm. So you need decks for everyone that can play, and you don't want one archetype to be so heavily dominant. I like it when formats have a good aggro deck that because the good aggro decks really just kind of check balance everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's. A lot of the good formats just have a good aggro deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think pretty much every one of the, like, constructed formats that I've loved, even if I have wasn't playing the good aggro deck, like, it's there. Because it's it's two things. Like, it, pr- it keeps decks accountable. Like, you got to play some removal. Like, you have to have those slots in the deck. And it also is a little bit of a canary. Because 
if the combo deck is fast and consistent enough that it just doesn't care about the aggro deck, then it's too like it's too strong probably. Yeah, when aggro doesn't exist in a format, I think the format's bad. Mm-hmm. I think just no matter why it doesn't exist, like currently in standard, there's no real aggro deck, and it's very clearly a bad format. Yeah, and I found this a lot when building my cube in the first pass. The aggro decks weren't good at all, pretty much. I would just not very much of an aggro player i didn't really think about them that much so after the first couple times we cubed it i think collins told me hey the aggro decks just aren't that good (laughs) and i like put a lot of work into changing the cube so they'd be better and i think the cube just got better because of it yeah yeah and that's just a microcosm of how formats should work (laughs) right yeah definitely like you just although right now in standard it's not necessarily that the aggro cards are bad yeah there's a there's some balancing right right it's i mean it's i I think the two main things are the existence of uro and the non-existence of dual lands for aggro decks just combined to like you can't really put anything together no even though there are like pretty serviceable aggressive cards it's just that like gruel spellbreaker asks you to be two colors and yeah the gruel cards and terror the peaks look like they should be a good deck yeah and Embercleave too but you just it you just doesn't cast work. Them. <laughs> and because you can't cast your spells and the three color decks that have triple your mana always can cast all their spells ahead of schedule, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you're just fighting a battle that like you've lost on multiple axes against Uro ramping, and then once it comes into play, just beats all of your stuff. It's it's too much to ask. So, yeah. I, I don't know if that has explained exactly what... But yeah, definitely, I, I think that... Having an aggro deck that is in the top tier of decks is, like, a fundamentally important thing for a format to be good. Yeah, and then you can have other decks, as long as enough other archetypes fill out the rest of the top. Mm -hmm. I don't really mind. I think combos should just be the smallest percentage. Yeah. It's by far the most polar. But it's important to have some weird strategy that makes magic fun, I think. Not not for me specifically. I just think playing different games... Mm -hmm is more engaging than always playing like aggro versus control or control versus right. mid-range or mid-range mid-range guy into getting that guy doom bladed every game it is like gets old like yeah juking and- juking the doom blades by playing something different is like an important part of metagames yeah and, and combo decks always look weird mm-hmm. they look different even from each other they don't all play on the same axis but i think it's important to have that sort of thing mm-hmm. just to make the game more engaging yeah, make, like, Vizier of Tumbling Sands a constructed playable card. Like, that's a neat thing that combo decks do. Like, I, I liked the moment in Pioneer where the Lotus Field deck was a thing, but Underworld Breach hadn't been printed yet. Yeah, that was that was, that was a pretty fun deck. Yeah. I remember playing that deck in the IQ we played at, and I had a really, really bad draw against a Spirits deck. But at that time, at that point in time, since I had no Underworld Breach... I had a bunch of Hydroid Crisis in my deck, <laughs> so I just played a 5-5 five, five Hydroid Crisis, and Spirits could never beat it, and then I played another one, and it was one of the most entertaining like combo versus disruptive aggro decks I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that deck was cool, and I don't think anybody was complaining about the power level. I mean, some certainly some people were complaining about that, because... People always complain about combo decks, but I don't think anybody was really mad about the power level of that deck. No one was clamoring to ban Lotus Field. Right. Um, 
So yeah, pretty long-winded response to that question, but hopefully some good takeaways there. I, I think that we have hit on plenty for today. Oh yeah, for sure. We went off topic a couple times. I think that's going to be a thing that we do a lot. I like talking. Yeah, it's me fun. Too. <laughs> Clearly, if you don't like talking, choosing to do a podcast is like a pretty bad plan. Good thing I chose to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. Uh, if you'd like to lend us some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. You can head over to mtggrindcast.com to find links to all of our episodes and things like that. You can find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. At Lee McLeo. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Until next week. <laughs>